Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force will be with you, always. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Galactic Republic, Confederacy of Independent Systems, and various mercenary factions vie for control of the galaxy in a seemingly never-ending conflict known as the Clone Wars. Caught in the middle of this epic struggle, the Jedi Knights strive to maintain order and civility in a deadly game that is being manipulated by the Dark Lords of the Sith. From the war-torn front lines, Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their dedicated team of analysts emerge as voices of truth and stability in these dark and deceptive times. Hey everyone and welcome to the 114th episode of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. This is uh, for the episode of Point of no return. I am not one of the co-hosts. I am not Matt Cranky. Uh, he's out of town. He's coaching basketball. So uh, I am Jason Hunt, co-host of the Wampas Lair podcast, filling in. Um, and with me, we have the creator, the founder, the big guy in the big chair for the Frontlines Clone Wars podcast. We have Mr. Michael Cohen. <laughs> hey, awesome. Thank you. Thank you for filling in. Thanks for... Uh... For sitting in this week for Matt, he was uh, like you said he's he's got some basketball to coach, so uh, he's got he's got some younglings to instruct in the ways of the hoop, and, uh, <laughs> and so he couldn't he couldn't uh, be here tonight to talk Clone Wars, but but thankfully we have the illustrious Jason Hunt filling wow. in for us. Uh, from like you said from the Wampas Lair podcast, which if you guys are not listening to the Wampas Lair podcast. Wow. Don't stop listening to this one. Finish <laughs> this, and then. But you know what you could do is right now you could go to iTunes, you could search it, and you could subscribe. And by the time you're done listening to this podcast, that one will be in your in your iTunes, and then you can listen to the Wampas Lair. Exactly. It makes perfect sense to me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what was your your latest episode? Was on uh, the power of friendship. I yes. Believe? Yes. Yeah. We we discussed. Uh, about five different friendships that were in the uh, the, the saga films. So, um, my favorite, of course, being R two D two and C three PO. Anyone who's listened to my show knows I am a huge R two D two and C three PO fan. Uh, probably my two favorite characters in the entire saga, which makes me coming on to talk about this episode of the Clone <laughs> Wars a really good thing. So, <laughs> yeah, perfect. It's perfect timing. It was meant to be this way. It's the will of the Force. It clearly. was. So I uh, let's uh, let's let's get to it. Let's let's jump into the news because we've got some juicy stuff to talk about. Juicy. Welcome. I have been expecting you. This is just the beginning. This is where the fun begins. Join us or die. Our meeting was not a coincidence. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. <laughs> 
All right. Okay, so so our first piece of news is this uh, this piece that ABC is uh, considering reviving the live action series, which we know has been in like I don't know, like it's just been yeah. in force limbo. Yeah, just just kind of sitting there. Uh, we know that there's a bunch of scripts written. We know that there's pre-production stuff sort of uh, started, and uh, they really just need money to produce it. But, uh, but I mean, with ABC, they've got Once Upon a Time right now, which is very, uh, very genre-friendly. Um, they've got S.H.I.E.L.D. that is going to pilot. And uh, so, I don't know, Star Wars, I could see Sunday nights. Like, I could see a full Sunday night of, of uh, like, like remember back in the day when it was Wonderful World of Disney? Yes. On Sunday nights? And, like, wouldn't it be awesome if Wonderful World of Disney on, on Sundays going forward was, uh, you'd start with Once Upon a Time at 7 o'clock and then you'd have... Uh, Shield at eight o'clock, and then Star Wars at nine o'clock. That would be, that would be perfect. I think I, mean, I might. I think I would probably have to start carving out blocks of time Sunday nights if that happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this doesn't come any as any real surprise to me since now you know mm-hmm. Disney owns um, both ABC and Lucasfilm now, so. The ABC is now considering, well, maybe what if we did Star Wars? Could that be mm-hmm. productive? Uh, I would say yes. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think to have I uh, to have like a Marvel comics TV show and uh, and a Star Wars TV show on your network would be kind of ridiculous, right? Like it, uh, like that yeah. would be insane. That would uh, and definitely there, no, jump your ratings quite a bit. Yeah, I don't think that you'd have like our our demographic uh, of of geeks and uh, and and hardcore uh, nerds and and all that sort of thing. Like we would just turn the station on and leave it on all Sunday night, right? <laughs> um, not to mention all of the extra stuff that you get to sell us, like comic book tie-ins and action figures and lunch boxes and all that sort of stuff that uh that disney gets to make money off of so um yeah like it, it makes a lot of sense for them to look at bringing it back and uh and 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 sort of tie stuff in uh to to the upcoming movies and uh and and whatever they can do to i i guess just just i uh, uh, bank on that on on the incredible insane fervor that's going on on the internet right now. Oh, yeah. um, in fact, things are starting to get a little bit out of hand, which is what what our our second news item is about. I, yeah. uh, but yeah. So, uh, any any final thoughts on this uh, on on the live action series uh, um, becoming a reality? Uh, it, it's it's about time. Uh, <laughs> that's all I can say. Is it's yeah. about time. It's been what yeah. now seven years since we first got a glimpse that it might exist um was it 2005 yeah. yeah so it's been what seven yeah. eight years now that <sighs> we were told that it could be happening and then it was like oh yes we have scripts ri- written and then well they're sitting on the shelf and now we have abc yeah. saying abc not abc family the abc the flagship big station there saying 
we are definitely we're, we're taking a look at this. We might do this. Yeah. So that's I that's yeah. awesome. It's great to hear. So um, yes, that's all I have to say is yes. It's about yeah, time. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely cool. Well, our second story is a little bit uh, in the same vein of people getting excited, possibly over nothing. Uh, well, at least it, with the first piece, if you're getting excited, it's possibly over nothing. With the second one, if you got excited uh, this morning, uh, as it were, we're recording this on Monday uh, on the 14th, if, if you got excited when you heard the news that Zack Snyder would be directing a Star Wars samurai film in the vein of The Seven Samurai, the, the uh, classic Kurosawa film, uh, then you were fooled. Uh, somebody pulled a Jedi mind trick on you because uh, yeah. it, it came out this morning that Vulture.com was reporting that this uh, what, what would be pretty big news if it had actually turned out to be true that mm-hmm. uh, that Zack Snyder would be directing uh, a Star Wars movie. Now, if you remember about a month ago, uh, maybe a little bit more, but I think back in November, uh, he had essentially said, no, that is not like I'm not doing a star wars movie uh he, he had said that yeah um or people were saying today oh he said that he wasn't going to direct episode seven but he uh. didn't necessarily say he wasn't going to direct a star wars movie now i didn't take the time to go back and look at an actual uh news report from back then but i like people people sort of twist things to say whatever they want right right um and uh, and and as as far as I'm concerned, he's never said anything of the sort, and uh, that like he he's uh, he's sort of denied Star Wars involvement from the get go, um, which you know m- maybe if if Lucasfilm was waiting to make an announcement, you could understand why he would say, oh, I don't have anything to say about that right now. Uh, more than likely, what you would get is a no comment or just no response whatsoever. Um, right. Like they would just ignore it. But today his rep came out and said, no, that's not happening. Um, but th- this is, I mean, that it's that sort of non-news. Uh, the thing that makes it news and why I wanted to talk about it was because very quickly after Vulture reported this, other uh, larger news outlets were spreading the story. And uh, anybody who took the time to go back and source the article and actually read Vulture.com's article could tell you that there was absolutely nothing substantiating in that article. Uh, the, the, the most uh, substantial piece of information they had in there was uh, that it was a, a, a Star Wars movie in the vein of The Seven Samurai to be directed by Zack Snyder because... Everybody knows that that George Lucas is a fan of Kurosawa, and that the original Star Wars: A New Hope is based off of the Hidden Fortress. Um, that's not that that's not a confirmation. Like no, that that doesn't mean anything. I mean, like that's just you're you're just basing that off of uh, interview clips and stuff like that. I mean, if we were going to do that, then we'd say that Harrison Ford's not going to be in any more Star Wars movies, but we know because Harrison Ford himself has said, yeah, if it's good, I'll be in it, you know, but 
but if we were going to just go off of what people have said in the past as our way of substantiating claims, then, well, I mean, we can say whatever we want to say, right? Like, and that's right. sort of, that's where, that's where news has gotten to, and not just Star Wars news, but news in general. I, people don't understand the difference between news, editorial, and gossip. This story falls under gossip. This is, I heard from a source and it's like, well, who's your source? Well, I can't disclose my source. Well, then it's a rumor. If you can't tell me who said it, then like if, if you don't have some sort of a proof, if you don't have a, a documents or, or some sort of an actual claim to legitimacy on the story, then it falls under rumor and speculation. Um, so the, this is purely gossip, but what made it news was the other outlets running with it because Vulture reports something and then IGN reports that Vulture reported something and then the New York Times reports that IGN and Vulture are reporting something and right. now all of a sudden it's in the New York Times so it must be true right? Oh, uh, of course but, but normally where these things take about a 24 to 48 hour time span to come out and be quashed this had like less than an 8 hour uh, uh, lifespan before Zack Snyder's rep came out and said, "Nope, not happening." So, uh, so this is just my fair warning to everybody out there. First of all, read up on on the difference between actual news, uh, editorials, and gossip, because it's very important to know the difference. What we do here on on Frontlines is editorial. We're, we're, yes. it's, it's criticizing. So I'm, I'm giving my opinion, uh, on, on the Clone Wars. I, we do report other people's news. We bring that to you guys, but we're not newsmakers ourselves. We don't break any news. We just gather news and, and disseminate it, right? Like we're exactly. essentially like an RSS reader, uh, specifically for Clone Wars. But I, I do often, like what we check, we check that news before we report on it, or we flat out say people are saying this is a rumor. You know, like that this is this is what's going on. This is what people are talking about. Uh, we've talked about a couple of things in regards to episode seven and and uh, and all this Disney Star Wars stuff, but uh, it's always been in the vein of our opinions on it, not so much the news of it. Um, so you know, it, it's it, it's a really important distinction to make. And uh, the other side of that is don't believe anything about these new Star Wars movies until Lucasfilm announces it. Yes. Um, (laughs) Take everything with a grain of salt because there will be a lot of news between now and 2015 uh, that will say, you know, uh, so-and-so is going to be starring in it. So-and-so is the main character. So-and-so is directing. This is what the plot is. All that sort of stuff. And I can tell you for a fact, having lived through episodes one to three, (laughs) we thought that we were going to see a lot of different things. And we got very different stuff. If you take a a jump in the way back machine to 1998, (laughs) uh, when, when Jar Jar Binks was first revealed, we didn't have any information about him other than what he looked like and that he was an alien sidekick. Everybody was going, oh, he's the new Chewbacca. <laughs> oh dear. He'll be he'll be awesome. He's going to be like the new Chewie. And uh, that is that is not 
what we got, and that's not a that's not a, 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 a slight against Jar Jar Binks. Uh, as as everybody knows, Jar Jar is the greatest, and uh, nobody yes. has any problems with Jar Jar whatsoever. No, at least that none. Is, that's the official opinion of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, particularly this episode. I think. Yes. Uh, yes. Extremely. <laughs> I wholeheartedly yeah. support that position. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, like it ended up being very different um, when the 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 Death Star image was released from Episode Two the hologram people were speculating about all sorts of stuff in that uh and uh you know like it it, there are all sorts of rumors and speculation that go around so take it all with a grain of salt um and do yourself a favor root out the original article that's being sourced when somebody says vulture.com is reporting or uh hollywood reporter is reporting or deadline news is reporting look it up read the original article and and then check and see what the opinion on that outlet is before you go drawing any conclusions i mean if if uh if variety reports the uh the direct then the director of the next star wars movie before we get an official announcement uh i'm inclined to believe variety because variety is a very serious uh entertainment news magazine right like that's that's where that's where the movie stars and 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 directors and and uh you know all those people get their news right is from places like variety so uh, if it it all depends on where it's coming from if it's coming from some random website that you've never heard of (laughs) until today then uh, it's probably not it's probably not all that valid i'd never heard of vulture.com before today and i you know, apparently it's a fairly like they they get pretty good scoops, but uh, sometimes reputations get built on on all of the good scoops that they get, and people forget all of the times they were wrong. So right, yeah. And my only thing is that Vulture didn't do their homework because George Lucas already got his Seven Samurai uh, Star Wars mashup. Uh, mm-hmm. In the form of the episode Bounty Hunters in season two of the Clone Wars, so yep. um, unless he's into rehashing Seven Samurai again for a big screen uh, film, uh, you know, I- I'm inclined to even take even less uh, stock in that article. So, um, yeah, and it even yeah, that episode even had you know dedicated to uh, Akira Kurosawa, you know, or yep. yeah, so at the beginning, so you know, yeah. Yeah, so so vulture, I mean, vulture, the, vulture. yeah, yeah, they they didn't do any research whatsoever. They didn't back up any of their claims. So when, that's when usually you, your first sign. When that, your that when your only true. claim is, well, everyone knows that he likes Akira Kurosawa's films. Yeah, that is not a claim. That is an opinion and a very loose, very um, grasping at straws, connecting of dots. Um, yeah. And you're probably connecting dots from two different puzzles. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, and and I mean, you make the perfect point, which is that uh, they already did that, and it it was it was actually one of the best episodes of the series. I mean, as far yes. as a standalone, self-contained episode, Bounty Hunters is in like the the top ten 
uh, of those of those self-contained. It might be even even be in the top five of the self-contained episodes. I agree. Which I think are are it's hard to it's hard to nail down the, those ones that were really good because we really only got them in seasons one and two. But I uh, but there's a few other ones. Yes, like a friend in need from last season. Mm-hmm. I think or but, or um, Shadow Warrior from last season yes. as well. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Anyways, yeah, I, I yeah. will so, not get into that. Um. <laughs> awesome, cool. Well, that's all the news. So why don't we uh, why don't we jump into the recap? Something is stirring in the underworld. Remember, there can only be two. You are our secret weapons. <laughs> There are some citizens of the Republic who believe the Jedi Order is not what it used to be. We can help you reclaim Mandalore. Oh my, look at the time. Well, my work is done. You are a clone and a soldier in the Republic Army. I sense a deep anger in you. Everything that you fought so hard for will be destroyed. Anakin! Sometimes heroes fall, despite their strength. Onderon is out. We are brothers. The true lords of the Sith. Choose your target's life. Okay, so let's do this. This is the recap for Point of No Return, the final episode in the droids arc. Uh, Next week we will be on to, uh, dare I say it, bigger and better things. Uh, At least bigger. At least bigger. (laughs) Uh, But I will say that of the four episodes... Uh, this one was actually pretty good. The, this uh, one, this one, yes. kind of brought brought the quality of it back up to uh, to I think a little bit more what what I've been hoping for. Yes, um, definitely my favorite of the arc. So probably which my... is a sad sad thing to say when there was a Republic commando in the previous episode. But yeah, and I'm is... I'm going to say that um, this that the first episode of this arc is my second favorite episode of the arc. Um, so, sorry, Commando, as much as I liked you, you're <laughs> third um, yeah. in that. But anyways, uh, we, we, I'm sure we can talk about the arc as a whole at the end of this. Yes, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, here, I'll, I'll start this off. Uh, Colonel Gascon beams with triumph as the Republic shuttle leaves Abafar behind and approaches the waiting landing bay of the orbiting Jedi cruiser. His arduous mission is at last over. Uh, Say that five times fast. Uh, And he looks forward to handing over the encryption module to the cruiser's commanding officer. But WAC-47 has an uneasy feeling. There's something not right with this cruiser. Gascon will not allow the droid's doubts to tarnish his moment to shine. Uh, Go ahead. Alright, the shuttle sets down in a barren hangar bay. There are no other ships or crew visible on deck, and the blast doors are sealed. Confused, Gascon leads D-Squad as he barges onto the bridge. There, Gascon makes the shocking discovery that the ship's crew consists of holograms. The ship then leaps into hyperspace. Moving farther into the bridge, D-Squad sees that, that battle droids, led by a super-tactical droid, are in command of this ship. 
Uh, so I want to I want to take a brief second to uh, to note first of all, creepiest Jedi cruiser we've ever been on. I, think. I agree. Uh, yes. Just just like empty and barren, right? When they when they land in the hangar and all of the the blast doors are closed, it's like <laughs> like obviously we knew something was up very early on in the episode. Yes. But when you get in, you're like, that's not right. Like no, we are so used to seeing those hangers full and bustling, that yeah. Because uh, because I think Dave and and uh, the team work very hard to make those seem lifelike and and reminiscent of Episode Three, and uh, and and they do an awesome job of it. I because it's one of those things that I think we take for granted until we get an episode like this that shows us what it would be like if there was nobody there, <laughs> right? And right. you're like all of a sudden you're like. That doesn't. It just seems so hollow and empty, and and uh, uh, I don't know, like like very uh, a- animating. <laughs> I don't know. It just like it. It sort of it yeah. almost like it takes you out of the episode in the way that it's supposed to. Like you're questioning what's going on. Exactly. Um, but at the same time, it's like it reminds me of season one when we went to Jabba's palace, and it was like. <laughs> Or in the movie, I should say, and it was like um, something's not right here. There's no, nobody at Jabba's palace. Is it? Is it three like aliens, spring break? And three aliens on with uh, you know yeah. just the head models placed on you know Palpatine and Obi Wan's bodies standing in the background. Yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> um, but I. But even better than that, we get into the bridge and we've got these holograms that are, uh, they're proper holograms. Like mm-hmm. they look, they look real. Which is very odd, uh, yes. they, because we're used to seeing holograms being that that sort of the the they have like the the tracking lines going through them, uh, or we've seen we also saw the ones on on um, Umbara yeah, that were like very like pixely cubey, yeah, blocky, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But here we see uh, holograms that look look real that they're indistingu- indistinguishable until you interact with them. Um, so the but same the, the same technology that was used in the uh, what is it the uh, Obi Wan's undercover undercover arc last season I suppose yes yeah yeah um, and uh, uh, the best part uh, of the opening of this was the uh, was this new super tactical droid um, <laughs> a very cool thing about the super tactical droids. Is that uh, it's a it's a new model, but they switch up the model every time. I think, um, or or they're just doing a great job with the with the paint jobs. But I feel like this one has a very different uh, very different torso than the one from from the uh, the Onderon arc, um, who mm. felt more. He, I think he felt more blocky. You know what I mean? Like maybe okay. that was just just the decoration that was on him that sort of broke it up a little bit more. But uh, I love this super tactical droid. It, yeah, it's one of those ones where it feels feels new, but it it fits into Star Wars so well, and I love it when oh, they yeah. can do that on this show. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I do have to say that the the introduction of super tactical droids this season has was a really good move on their part because it makes mm-hmm. intelligent, challenging. Uh, opponents for our heroes to go up against, but still our heroes can defeat them at the end. Um, yeah. So you're not just going up against battle droids and super battle droids anymore. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I, I'll I'll continue. I 
D-Squad scurries for cover, chased by battle droid guards. The Republic droids duck into the hangar control room, where they find a Separatist detonator rigged to tons and tons of Rhydonium. Uh, sorry, Rhydonium ore that fills the launch bays. The entire Jedi cruiser has been turned into a massive bomb. It appears this ship has been hijacked by Separatists. What do you mean it doesn't belong here? He is right, Colonel. This is not Republic technology. Not unless they have lowered their standards. Well, what exactly do you think it is? A bomb? What kind of a bomb? Is it armed? How long do we have? Talk to me! What do you mean the ship is a bomb? How can the entire ship be a bomb? There must be enough Rhydonium in here to blow up the entire Republic fleet. So yeah, we see those blast doors open up and we find out why they were closed at the beginning of the episode. Uh, and it's because uh, they're, they're all filled with canisters of Rhydonium. Like, just filled to the hilt. Uh, when those blast doors whooshed open and we saw all the Rhydonium, it was just like my draw was my jaw was dropping farther than Gascon's was. Um, it was just like whoa! But it's like this must have been the last shipment that they were putting onto the shuttle before it took off in the previous episode. So um, obviously, separatists have been working on this for quite a while before mm -hmm. the last episode happened. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and it, it it it's a lot of Rhydonium, and we saw a pretty big explosion last episode, but uh, that was just a few canisters, right? Like that right. that was that was a very small amount compared to this. So I, uh, so very early on in this episode, you're like, oh, there's gonna be a really big boom in this one. Yes. <laughs> it's gonna end very, very, distant, very, very bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, go ahead. All right. Uh, at first, Gascon has had enough. Thwarting Separatist piracy and defusing apocalyptic-level explosives is beyond the duty he's signed up for. But with the Jedi cruiser in hyperspace, he can't evacuate the ship. As D-Squad returns to their shuttle, R2-D2 detects someone shadowing their movements. The astromech finds BNI-393, a servant droid known as Bunny, lurking in the shadows. Bunny is a surviving member of the Republic droid crew who wants to escape the doomed vessel with D-Squad. In the cruiser's bridge, the super tactical droid in command of the this plot dispatches a buzz droid to seek out the intruders. So we get the introduction of, of buzz droids in the Clone Wars, I believe, right? Have we yes. seen them before? No, this is, yeah, this is the first episode. This, yeah, the first time we've seen them. So um, that's very cool. I, I, I love the buzz droids from episode three. I, I know that there were people who were very critical of that sequence. I thought um, they were brilliant. You know what I mean? I, but I, I love them. I, I think that's one of the best parts of the prequels. I, it, it's just such a great Star Wars-y adventure moment of like these m missiles that explode and, and little droids uh, come out and attack your ship, right? Like, it's yeah. just so... So, I... 
there's no other word for it. It's just pure George Lucas. That's the sort of thing that makes him a genius. Is when he's like, these guys are getting chased by missiles, and just when they think that they're out of the frying pan, they're, they're like the the flames are licking at their heels, right? Like it's just <laughs> he does it so well. And there's there's so much of episode three of that sequence uh, uh, in rescuing the chancellor that actually got cut out. Uh, it's yeah. almost a whole other movie by itself, and there's some really great stuff in there. There's a there's one moment where they're the where Obi Wan and Anakin are captured, and they uh, they're they're looking at each other trying to figure out what to do, and they have all these like hand signals and stuff. Yes. And one of them is is Obi Wan like sort of like uh, uh, combing out like like uh, his must- like playing with his mustache to be twirling. like you know yeah no, yeah twirling, twirling his mustache things. almost yeah. yeah. No, no, not not that like, one. Yeah, no, that that's not a good idea. No, oh no, no, that's you remember what happened last time, and like they do all these things, and then they eventually whip out their lightsabers and cut a hole in the ground and fall through it. But yes. uh, that we to- we've totally diverged into episode yes. three. So, uh, that is to say that uh, George Lucas is a genius, and Buzz droids are just a part of that genius. And there's a when you're a genius, sometimes people just don't understand it. They exactly. don't get it. They're not on that level. But uh, but don't worry, George. We are. We're right there yes. with you. And yes. and and now that th- this is the best part of watching the Clone Wars, now that we've seen Buzz Droids, they can come back. Exactly. Like once, a, once a model has been made, it can show up again, which means that Buzz Droids will be used in further episodes. Which I uh, which I I I don't know why I get so excited about stuff like that, but I do. It's, yeah. uh, it's it's another it's, it's another peril for our heroes and yes. buzz droids are awesome because they can disable a ship so that the good guys can get captured, which makes for some interesting story ideas that you can throw out <laughs> there. So, um, yes. but back to the episode that we're actually yes. talking about. <laughs> I think it's your turn. Uh, yeah, in the hangar bay, Bunny leads D Squad to their shuttle. It's where the rest of the survivors are hiding. It's a sorry lot, a plunk droid, a gonk droid, a mouse droid, and a treadwell droid. From what little pieces of information Bunny can provide, Gascon begins to surmise the Separatist plot. They are en route to the Karita system, site of Space Station Valor, which is hosting the Republic Strategy Conference. Most of the Republic fleet and its key commanders will be at the station by the time the explosive-laden cruiser emerges from lightspeed. Uh, and uh, Karita is a system that, that uh, Expanded Universe fans will be familiar with. Karita is actually the uh, where the Academy is. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's where the Imperial right. Academy is. Um, when Luke says that he wants to forward his application to the Academy, Karita is what he's talking about. Um, it's fun. It, pe- people don't know that. They, they Luke was very close to joining the Empire because he just wanted off Tatooine yeah. at any at any expense, right? Like, he didn't care. Um, and yeah. Biggs had actually left to join the... Like, to, to go to the Academy, to Corita, to join the Empire. Not for any... Not because he was, like, uh, he owed allegiance to the Empire, but, like, Luke, he just wanted off Tatooine. And, and, and there's Biggs a deleted... Went, so. Yeah, yeah. There's a deleted scene, uh, they where B- 
Biggs is telling Luke that at the Academy, he's met up with these rebels and, and he's going to jump ship on the way back and, and join up with them and become part of the rebel Alliance. And, uh, and, and that's sort of like, uh, I, I don't know. It, it, I love it. I think it's a great scene. I think the scene leading into it is a little bit obnoxious where, where they call Luke Skywalker Wormy and they're making fun of him all the time and all that sort of thing. But, but I, but yeah, Karita is actually, uh, I mean, so you know what, if I'm wrong, I'll get corrected, but I'm fairly certain Karita is, is where the Academy is. It's either the Academy that Biggs went to, or it's the Academy that Han Solo trained at. Cause Han Solo was also a member of the Imperial fleet before he, met Chewbacca. It so. also might have been the uh, academy that um, Kyle Katarn went to. Yes, I remember. It, it, it might have been that as well. Yeah. Uh, so I know I know Karita is is where where one of the uh, Imperial Academies is stationed. So um, more than likely, all all three of those stories are true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, anyways, I c- continue. I have I have a note <laughs> later on about that. Uh, that space station, but we'll talk about it when we get there. Okay. All right. Um, as Gascon resolves to stop the Separatists, D-Squad spots a buzz droid spying their discussion. The tiny saboteur skitters off to alert the Separatist command. R2-D2 leads the chase to intercept the buzz droid, leading D-Squad into the gunnery deck that is crawling with dozens, I'm going to cross that out and say hundreds of buzz droids. Uh, D-Squad is outnumbered and surrounded. D-Squad fights back against the sharp-pronged pests, and M5BZ sacrifices himself to defeat the swarming menace. As the rest of D-Squad magnetizes themselves uh, to the deck floor, BZ opens the airlock. The buzz droids are blown out into the chaos of hyperspace, with BZ tumbling into the void with them. The threat is averted, but at a cost. R2-D2 seals the airlock, and D-Squad pauses for a few words of respect and remembrance for M5BZ, said by Colonel Gascon. Poor BZ. You will be missed, soldier. R2 is right. Colonel, would you say something to honor this heroic sacrifice? I suppose that's appropriate. I'll have to make it quick because we don't have much time. When this D-Squad started our mission, I had doubts. Grave doubts that we would ever survive, let alone succeed. But we worked together. We didn't give up hope. We showed courage in the face of death. It shocks me to say this, but we make an excellent team. Now we've lost one of our members, BZ. But we must remember, BZ sacrificed himself for us. That's what a good soldier does sometimes. And the only way to honor that sacrifice is to stop this ship and prevent the Separatists from taking any more Republic lives. Are you with me? And, uh, (laughs) I do have to say this sequence, this chase and fight Mm -hmm. sequence, was one of my favorite sequences in the entire episode. Um, Seeing R2 chasing down a buzz droid through the halls of a Republic cruiser uh, was just so much fun to watch. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and we got, uh, we got a, a, a sort of a nod to episode three where they, they do the whole uh, shooting out oil and then igniting it with their 
with their jets uh, in order to create that circle around them, the the perimeter. And uh, I, that was I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, it was a great yeah. sequence. It's a really great action sequence considering you're talking about five droids and uh, and a, a, a pint-sized kernel. Um, yes, and a, and a frog, and basically. Hundreds of, yeah, and a frog, <laughs> and hundreds of buzz droids. I, I, I just thought it was so great. Like, the, 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 the peril and the threat of it was, was really entertaining for once in this, in this arc, yeah. which I feel has been a little bit, um, it's been a little, like, for me, it hasn't gotten there. Every time, like, in the first episode... They were just kind of going around doing their own thing, and and you never really felt a sense of tension, um, like they were going to get caught at any minute. Like it just didn't feel like that. Um, it was actually pretty much the opposite, where you were kind of like, this is a little bit ridiculous that nobody's noticing these droids. Nobody's questioning it, especially at the end when BZ is is laid out and they're carrying him back. And it's <laughs> like none of the other battle droids are are really like. What's what's going on? Like, why is that one droid like disabled and they're carrying it onto a shuttle? I don't understand. Um, but I but with this, it's like the 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 action sequence actually worked for me, which is really cool. Um, yeah. When it's when it's a bunch of droids yeah. flying around with their with their <laughs> rockets. Yeah, and I do have to say that um, there were a couple shots where it just showed the buzz was just crawling all over the walls and dropping down from the ceiling and off the catwalks and everything mm-hmm. to surround them. And I was definitely getting um, a Fellowship of the Ring vibe going on where the Fellowship is running through the minds of Moria and all of a sudden the go- the, all the goblins are just, you know, spilling yeah. out of the, the caves and the ceilings and everything. And... Um, Obviously, the way that they get out of there is very different in both films, but in the film and this, but this just that whole uh, idea of just being surrounded with nowhere to go. Um, yeah, really got that uh, Lord of the Rings vibe there, so which yeah. was really cool. Um, well, you know, this uh, this may actually be one of the largest crowd sequences that that I think we've gotten <laughs> um, in in the Clone Wars, and uh, the, like because this is just it's a massive number of of models on screen at one time. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, but the, uh, the behind the scenes focused on something else. So, uh, so we didn't really get to hear a lot about that. Hopefully something I will hear something on the Blu-ray. Maybe there'll be a, a different commentary or something, but, uh, I'll continue, uh, in the Jedi cruiser bridge, the super tactical droid, takes the lack of updates from the buzz droids as an indication that they have failed. He tasks the droids under his command to capture these intruders at all costs. Gascon and D-Squad have come up with a plan. R2-D2 will return to the hangar control station to rewire the explosives to detonate early. Then the, the squad and the survivor droids will evacuate aboard the shuttle. As R2-D2 heads off, the rest of the droids are attacked by a patrol of battle droids. Oh, um, just real quick before we move on, um, there yep. was one other thing I wanted to talk about that we missed um, talking about. BZ's sacrifice was did oh, that yes. was yep. that something that you um, you know felt you know sorry for BZ over, or is that just sort of the eh, sort of uh, that was you know uh, what was your reaction to to BZ being sucked out 
into hyperspace. Um, I I blame I blame taking out his memory unit, uh, taking out his <laughs> like essentially the brain. BZ has been a little bit uh, airheaded, let's say, <laughs> uh, in in sticking his uh, his his scomp link into a into an, an access port that that you know might have been protected or whatever, and getting himself fried. And uh, and now with this, uh, he's not exactly he's not exactly a cautious droid. So. Uh, <laughs> So really, like, the fact that he didn't magnetize and got sucked out the airlock, it's like, I don't know that I would call it a sacrifice as much as he made a mistake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like in the last episode, uh, Gregor made a sacrifice. He made yeah. a conscious choice to detonate the, the Rhydonium and, uh, and potentially go up with it, although we know that's probably not the case. Right. Um, but if if that is what happened, he made a conscious choice in order to save his uh, the the droids and and help them uh, finish their mission. With BZ, it was a little bit of like he was very heroic in his actions, but um, also a little bit dense in in his not magnetizing well, when uh, when the airlock opens. But the other option of that is and i just thought of this is maybe because he had you know like five buzz droids you know plastered onto him perhaps Mm -hmm. they had gotten to him and deactivated his you know whatever it was that would activate the magnets um in him at that point so but but uh it was something where when you know there's all the buzz droids being sucked out into space and you see bz just going out with them it was it was sort of like oh that's kind of sad Sucked no. out into hyperspace, which yes. I'm very curious to know what happens to an object when it, it's jettisoned from a ship traveling at hyperspace. Because I'd have to imagine the physics of that are very complex. Like, it's traveling faster than the speed of light, but then it has no propulsion. So, like, what's going to happen? Now, in space, there's no there's no friction right so like until it hits an object with atmosphere does that mean that bz is not necessarily dead and just traveling at the speed of light (laughs) like traveling through hyperspace even after the ship comes out of hyperspace like and would it would he remain on that course or like in a straight line or would he sort of tumble through hyperspace so like is there like a moon with a giant crater on it because BZ <laughs> impacted on that? Because because a, a, an object of that size, uh, uh, traveling at you know faster than the speed of light, if it hit a, a solid object, it would that, do that's, a lot of damage. Right? Yeah, that's a giant. That'd be a giant crater. I would I would agree with yeah. that. that yeah, yeah. So, I, I I sort of wondered about that afterwards. I was like, okay, so are we going to just see like? asteroids and moons riddled with like impacts or are they just gonna just sort of gradually slow down and just end up floating in the middle of nowhere or um i don't know but i was also wondering okay if they're traveling at the speed of light wouldn't all the air in that room be sucked out before they could have got the door closed too but whatever Mm -hmm. it's star wars it's it's uh it's the well, Star Wars universe. Know. Star Wars physics yeah. doesn't have to make sense to our physics. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just... I, I, I wanted to see something happen. 
Um, I wanted to see it like, uh, like I don't know. I wanted to see the Buzz Droids and BZ like disintegrate or like, I don't know, just something yeah. happened to them that 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 sheer force because they don't have any shields and because they're outside of the um, the whatever whatever sort of force is generating the 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 tunnel the hyperspace tunnel um mm-hmm. they're no longer inside that at a certain point and and i wanted to see what happens when you cross that threshold because that's something that, like th- when you see the falcon jump to hyperspace and you see that spinning wormhole in front of it you're like what is like what's going on like what's happening is that just the stars flying by them super fast or is that like you know like what is it it like what's going on you know give me some answers so i was hoping for that but uh but we didn't get any no oh well oh well next time yeah at at least at least it's open to now someone else can explore it um (laughs) so all right um let's continue back to where we were uh the cruiser emerges from hyperspace and begins to vector towards space station valor which floats amid a fleet of docked Republic cruisers. The super tactical droid orders the ship to accelerate to ramming speed while he personally oversees the activation of the detonator. Aboard Space Station Valor, Anakin Skywalker squirms with boredom, frustrated to having to attend a strategy conference. Obi-Wan chides him for his impatience. The session can begin with the new with the the, the session can begin soon with the arrival of the last cruiser. But Anakin senses something odd about the late vessel. It's moving way too fast. Uh, and this is where I, I just wanted to mention, uh, if you haven't watched the behind the scenes, um, the the space station Valor is actually, uh, if you've been on Star Tours uh, since its revamp and you've gotten the Darth Vader opening sequence, uh, you're on uh, like a, some sort of a ship or a space station uh, and, you know, you're sort of getting ready to take off and then Darth Vader comes out and you blast off out, out the uh, out the hangar and you sort of you get to, to see behind you, like sort of a look back at, at what you blasted off from. And uh, Dave Filoni, when he rode Star Tours, was like, wow, that's a great design. And when they needed a space station for this episode, he was like, let's uh, let's use that one. <laughs> so he uh, he actually awesome. just. Yeah, so it's the same space station that's in Star Tours. So, uh, and his his the best thing that he said in the behind the scenes video was a note about ILM, and he said, you know, ILM worked so hard; they did such great stuff for Star Tours, and uh, it's all in three D, and it's all awesome and excellent, and it just makes you. Just, you just gotta wonder what are they gonna do for episode seven right like like <laughs> yeah. seven eight nine are gonna be amazing because we know they'll be in 3d we know they'll be you know like just this incredible incredible experience because i mean a a, a ride at disneyland ilm goes above and beyond so i uh, so you know when you get to make a new star wars movie uh full feature film they're ju- they're just gonna knock it out of the park. So. Oh man! So it just gets me super excited. Yeah, and, uh, and I love to see that sort of, because we also had within this arc a nod to the original Star Tours yeah. in the second episode. So th- I thought that was really cool that it sort of it 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 not necessarily begins, but but near the beginning of the arc we get this great nod to to this 
to the original Star Tours, and then we close it out with this awesome nod to the new Star Tours, and that's just such a great, that's such a great Easter egg to throw in there, because it doesn't, uh, it's not one of those Easter eggs that's going to take you out of it, you're just like, oh, that's cool, we've seen that before in Star Wars, and it, it legitimizes yeah. the ride, I think, which, which I like, oh. that that's what that that's what it yeah. does and the ride is fantastic oh my gosh i love so it. great oh so <sighs> great anyway <laughs> uh now i want to go ride star tours again oh man yes uh, that, that way i can say awesome. see i'm in space station valor um <laughs> <laughs> awesome cool i'll uh, i'll continue here I, okay d squad scrambles towards their escape shuttle uh, Gascon and U9C4 distract the battle droids by zipping around on the Astromech's booster rockets, and the battle droids hold their fire for fear of accidentally hitting the Rhydonium canisters. R2-D2 arrives at the hangar control station just as the super tactical droid initiates the detonation sequence. The taller droid grapples with R2-D2, who jukes and bobs on his rockets. Gascon tries to delay the shuttle launch to buy R2-D2 more time. Aboard the station, Admiral Tarkin gives voice to Anakin's suspicions. The late cruiser has not slowed its pace, and Z-9, Tarkin's astromech droid, cannot make contact with anyone aboard. I love this, that Tarkin gets to make a, a, an appearance, a little guest appearance. Yes. Because uh, Steven Stanton's already doing a voice. So exactly. they're like, well, let's just throw Tarkin in. Exactly. Um, well, it, but it works because it's you know a strategy session yeah. with the top yeah. minds in the Republic, and I love that he's now Admiral Tarkin instead yep. of Captain Tarkin. So yep. he's um, moving up in the ranks. He'll he'll be a Grand Moff before you know it. <laughs> he'll be a Grand Moff before the show is done. Um, <laughs> maybe, um, but yeah. Awesome. Go, let's let's you can go ahead and uh, do the next one, and then we'll uh, finish it up. Uh, sounds good. Though Gascon does not want to leave R2-D2 behind, Wax set 47 powers up the shuttle and departs the hangar bay. R2-D2 outmaneuvers the super tactical droid and speeds up the detonator. The cruiser erupts in a rapid chain of enormous explosions. The cruiser is reduced to shreds of twisted metal that pelts the space station. From the, from the blast emerges the shuttle, and Colonel Gascon hurriedly reports on the mission status. He informs Anakin of R2-D2's sacrifice. Anakin orders an immediate salvage operation. Republic space tugs scour the wreckage, eventually finding a battered R2 unit. So this explosion was... The best explosion we've seen yet in the Clone oh, Wars. Oh my goodness. Possibly the it... best explosion we've seen in Star Wars. Yeah, it is... The colors and just the form of it and... Uh, unlike both Death Stars, when this blows, uh, it does some damage. Like, there's there's stuff, right? Yeah. When Death Stars blow up, they blow up into those little tiny pinpoints of light. They uh, vaporize everything. Yeah, but with this, like, it was just shooting chunks of things at this space station. And, it was uh, like a giant grenade had gone off, and yeah, a giant yeah. colorful grenade had gone off, and we were just getting shrapnel everywhere. Yeah, I love the moment when when uh, Obi-Wan says to Anakin, uh, and you thought this was going to be boring, and as he says it, like as Anakin's about to sort of make his comeback, uh, just a big chunk of 
cruiser like hits right where they're standing and bounces off the hull of the space station. <laughs> and Anakin's just like, it takes a lot to shake up Anakin Skywalker, but he's kind of like, whoa, like that's a little intense even for me. Uh, so I, I just thought that it was one of those great Anakin Obi-Wan moments of humor. I, um, I agree. I definitely agree. And for you know them to be such a minor part of this episode that they got such a yeah. good moment for them was was really nice to see. So yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. I I guess I'll I'll finish this off. Yes. R two D two is repaired and reunited with Anakin and D Squad. Gascon declares R two the greatest, most courageous droid he has ever met. He is proud to serve alongside D Squad. Which is good news since WAC-47 confirms they have been made a permanent unit in the Republic War Against the Separatists. R2-D2, are we glad to see you? I am most glad. Quiet, WAC. I'm talking here. Yes, sir, Colonel. In truth, I might just be a map reader, and I don't have much battle experience. But R2, you are the bravest droid I have ever met. You all are. I would be proud to serve with you droids anytime, anywhere. Oh, I am glad to hear you say that, Colonel, because I hear we have been assigned to the same platoon. We will be seeing each other every day for the rest of the war. That's great, Whack. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> he sort of, he says this, and then he immediately regrets it. You can tell that he's like, he's like, I love serving with you guys. And they're like, oh, good, because you're going to be serving with us for the for, yeah. from now until the end of the war. Yeah. Uh, and, at, uh, at, least, and, at least Gascon and Whack are now part of the same... Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if the whole group is. Um, obviously, R2 will be back with Anakin, I'm sure. But it's just, it's, it cracks yeah. me up because he's like, oh, great. I really yeah. put my foot in it this time. Yeah, yeah, it was excellent. Um, so uh, overall for this episode, I would say everything that I've been saying about this this arc, this episode did it. This episode did what? what I was asking for. It toned down Gascon's sort of... I don't, I, I don't want to say... Melodrama. Like, yeah, yeah, melodrama. That's good. Because he's very... like. I don't think that he's a pathetic character, but I think the way that he reacted to a lot of the situations was less than... Uh, less than he was owed... Uh, I think, like, just like I've said uh, on the last episode and the one before it, Stephen Stanton did such a great job of voicing this character. Yeah. Such great performance, but I don't like what what he had to perform. I feel like if they had given him some serious content with this character, he would have knocked it out of the park. I mean, it would have been one of the best performances that we've gotten on the series, but because like just because and and he talks about it in the behind the scenes where where dave was just telling him go bigger go bigger just keep going bigger and uh 
And and so the character that he found in in Mieber Gascon, I think, is an awesome character. I just don't like the situations that he was put in. This episode, that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see him as a leader, uh, but not as as a perfect leader. Sort of as, like, because we see Obi Wan and we see Anakin, they very rarely make mistakes, right? right. We see like if we see Kit Fisto, <laughs> he's telling everybody else how they're screwing up. Um, so we always, we have these like perfect leaders in Star Wars, which isn't always the case in real life. So it's nice to have a flawed leader every once in a while in a story and, and them sort of grappling with what it means to be in command. And, and they had that with, with Gascon, but he kept failing. And then in this episode, I feel like he, he overcame that and, Although, you know, like he was put into sticky situations, uh, he reacts appropriately when BZ sacrifices himself. He reacts, he, I mean, he, he gets a little bit dramatic when he finds out that they're on a ship that's loaded with Rhydonium. And he's <laughs> like, th- that's it. Like, like he has, he has an understandable meltdown at that point. Um, if he hadn't had all of the meltdowns previously, I think this one would have had the impact that they wanted of him being like, "That's it. I've had enough. We've been, we we our our uh, our original plan went to crap. Uh, but we managed to get out of that. We we flew into a meteor shower, into a comet shower, crash landed on a void planet. I." Uh, found a, a, a clone trooper, but he ended up being a clone trooper with amnesia. We got him to fight for us, and then he dies in a huge explosion with us narrowly escaping. We're finally back on a Jedi cruiser, and now it's loaded with explosives, and it's going to ram a space station full of the Republic's greatest minds. Well... I'd have a meltdown too. Like I'd be done. Like I'd be like, that's it. I've had enough. But if he had maintained composure through all of the other moments in this arc, if he had sort of been like, if he had almost lost it every time and been like sort of on the edge the entire time. And then in this episode, he's like, that's it. I've had enough. I'm done. I give up game over. Like it's done. Finished. I'm out of here. You guys deal with this. And he just sort of like quit for a second. And then they were like, you can't quit. You let us through all this other stuff. I feel like that would have been, that would have been a good climax for that character. Uh, But, but it, it ends up a little bit flat because Gascon is always at that level. He's always up there. In fact, with this meltdown, it was probably less than some of the other ones. I mean, he almost committed suicide in the second episode of the Sark. So, yeah. uh, you know, like they toned it down a little bit in this one, um, which I feel like should have been the high watermark as opposed to the low watermark. But, but you know, that's my opinion. Uh, how, how did you feel about this arc? Uh, this arc, uh, well... Up until this final episode, you know, we've been told this is this is an arc, you know, focused around R two D two. It was, I mean, the logo had been changed to blue to, you know, res- in respect for R two D two and stuff. And you know, being such a huge R two fan myself, I was like, yes, I want to see R two do awesome stuff. 
And the first three episodes of this arc, uh, he had a couple moments in the first episode, and then he took the droids off and they found the city, but we didn't see it. Um, because, uh, and then the third episode, he shows Gregor a hologram of a Captain Rex, but that's about it. Um, and I was like, for an R2 episode, for an R2-D2 arc, this is not enough R2-D2. It really is not. And I was really getting frustrated because there were moments where I thought they could have used R2 more or better, and it just didn't quite happen. And it was just getting me frustrated. Um, and mm-hmm. not that I dislike Wack or Gascon, because uh, they, they both grew on me uh, throughout the, the arc, especially these last two episodes. Um, but it was just, especially that second episode, that second episode is what really sort of made the rest of the arc kind of wonky. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that we focused so much on Wack and Gascon in that episode and didn't really pay attention to R2 except for the fact that, oh, hey, I've got your little you know, chip here and I'm running off with it and then we don't see him for the rest mm-hmm. of the episode, basically... Um, it was just like, it's not fulfilling enough for me. But then this episode came around and we finally got to see R2 be the hero. And it, I guess maybe my expectations were set high because at C6, um, Dave Filoni said, um, and you'll see an arc in which R2 has his greatest contribution to the Clone Wars yet. And when we got this arc, I was like, yes, I can't wait to see R2 be the ultimate hero again because that is what he is. Um... And I just wasn't seeing it until, of course, he blows up the ship mm-hmm. with himself on it to save all these minds on the space station, including Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, so this episode was was a saving episode for, um, for this arc and for my hopes and expectations of R2-D2 for this arc. Mm-hmm. So um, I, there were moments in each of the episodes that I really liked. Uh, that second episode... Um, I really did enjoy the, the comet sequence, but the rest of it was just sort of, eh, what are you going to do? Um, but it just, it didn't hit, quite hit the bar until this final episode. Um, so I, I think it could have been a lot better, um, mm-hmm. but in the end it did save itself um, from being a complete flop, so... Yeah, cool. that's... Uh, yeah I, I mean, I think we're, we're in agreement on that. Uh, I, I was expecting much more R2-centric stories, but uh, what we got was R2 as, as a side character um, and, and sort of saving the day, but behind the scenes, which is not, I think, not what we wanted. I mean, we, got, we've, we had Duel of the Droids in Season 1, and then we had R2 come home in Season 2? Yes. Yeah, um... And uh, and both of those episodes had R two D two as a central heroic character, particularly R two come home. I mean, R two come home was like R two was the hero. R two yeah. saved the day um, against against Boba Fett and Bosk. And R Singh. And R Singh. I mean, like, what more can you ask for? That's about <laughs> as heroic as it's going to get in Star Wars. The only, I mean, if he fought Darth Vader, he he'd be more heroic, but. You know, I he outfought three of the top bounty hunters in the galaxy yeah. and managed to ev- evade 
a couple of Gundarks, all on his own, uh, because Anakin and Mace Windu were trapped and unable to do anything. So <laughs> that was awesome, yeah. and I was I was expecting more stuff along the, those lines for this arc, and we didn't yeah. get it until this last episode. So yeah, 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 definitely. This last episode delivered on that promise a little bit, but not. I would say not to the degree that that um, that R two come home did. And I uh, and and uh, for me, it's a little too little, too late. But I. Uh, that said, we're on to uh, on to very cool things oh, in the yes. future of the Clone Wars. So I so I don't think that you guys will hear me complaining very much <laughs> in the next three weeks at least. Um, I believe it's going to be three parts. It might be four parts. I. I would think yeah, it's, I, I would think it's three because I think uh, revival is the first part of the four parts. So okay. yeah, you may yeah, want to rewatch revival before watching the yes. next arc. Yeah, um, um, but we'll get into that. Yeah, <laughs> I think you'll you'll hear me go from the tone that I've had in the last three episodes to uh, well the last four, including this one, I to the polar opposite. Um, and uh, and and when we talk about the next episode, you'll uh, you'll understand why. Uh, but before we get to that, let's uh, let's jump over to our mailbag. Wait a minute. Play back the entire message. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? He is carrying a message from an Obi Wan Kenobi. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. I saw part of the message. You. I seem to have found it. Okay, so we got the Facebook post of the week from Jack Odea, 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 I I don't really know how to pronounce that, Jack, but uh, hopefully one of those was right, one of those three or four, uh, <laughs> and he says, Any else, anyone else thinking what I'm thinking, the attack the Separatists are planning is the Battle of Coruscant? Uh, we talked about this a little bit in the first episode of this arc, but yeah, I, the, you know, the more we see of this season, the more I'm thinking that's that's where we're going. Is uh, the 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 war seems to be ramping up right now, and the 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 separatists are getting a little bit desperate, um, ramming a, a Jedi cruiser into a space station. Uh, is a little bit like that's that's I don't well maybe desperate isn't the right word for it but they're getting a little bit um, impatient I guess like they're doing everything they they're can taking bigger risks I, yeah 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 so I uh, so I that's how I feel I I feel that that they'll decode this this attack on Coruscant and then it'll happen. So this storyline will end up actually having been really important in the overall scheme of things, because without that decoder, uh, the Republic probably would have been caught a little unawares and uh, and not had uh, as many ships to defend Coruscant as they, as they do uh, in, in Episode 3. So, um, but yeah, I, what, what do you think about that, Jason? Um, it, it's hard for me to say, because uh, I keep, you know hearing things and you know there's you know different um time frames as far as as many seasons we're still going to get whether it's going to end next season or if they're going to go for seven or eight seasons um and you know there's 
I think I've heard that there's been talk, you know, Dave Filoni has been talking about, you know, it could keep going um, and stuff like that. So it, it, it makes me wonder if this is just setting up um, a big major battle that's going to happen um, later this season or to kick off next season. Uh, because if they got the the uh, encryption module in order to decode this um, this attack, um, then they'd know well, well, well in advance of the Battle of Coruscant. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I assume all they have to do is plug it in, put the message in, and it'll decode it um, for them rather quickly because it's separatist technology. Um, and so that would... It's, it's hard for me to tell because it's hard to tell where this arc takes place in the overall scheme of things. So, um, I will say it could be the Battle of Coruscant, but I'm mm. not holding my breath for that. So, um, and I'm sort of leaning the opposite direction. I'm still somewhere in the middle, but more towards it's a different battle. Um, one that we haven't been told about. It could, this could be one of those moments that you're always looking forward to in the seasons that, you know, we are told nothing about and haven't seen anything about mm. so this could be a season finale or a season premiere for next season um battle that we will see um but well i think we know what we've got coming for a season finale because if you map out the rest of the season if we've got three episodes of this next arc and then we'll have three episodes of the Anakin Padme arc that was supposed to initially be at the beginning of the season. <laughs> um, that leaves two to three episodes for the end of the season, potentially four. Uh, I'd have to look at the actual numbers. but um, And we saw in that 100th episode trailer, and you know, Matt and I haven't really talked about it, so let's talk oh, about it now. Yes. I, we see at the end of that trailer, they show the highlights of the first hundred episodes of, of the Clone Wars, and then we get this, like, it's sort of the logo comes up and everything's all like, oh, that was such a great trailer, and then it go, fades back down, and it's not done yet, and Yoda's right. voice comes up, and he's uh, he says, you know, we have to... Find this the lost child, or something yeah. to that effect. Yeah, f find, find the Padawan before she becomes truly lost, or something like that. And, uh... I made a prediction. I don't remember if I made this prediction at C6 or if I made it uh, early on in, in this season, but uh, or if I made it... I think I might have made it at the end of season four. You might um, have. After Revival. Uh, yeah. Or, uh, excuse no, me, after, after, after um, Revenge. Um, yeah, Revenge. That's uh, what I the, essentially, the Bounty. events of Bounty are really what yeah. uh, sort of put that into my head, which is that Ahsoka... Um, the whole time we've been watching the Clone Wars, we've been expecting Ahsoka will die or she'll turn to the dark side. Um, and I think that I I think both of those are too easy. I agree. And that Dave Dave will do something much more interesting and much more entertaining with the character because we've all come to love Ahsoka. I mean, she is one of my favorite characters on the series. Um, and uh, and last season. We got this excellent story with Asajj Ventress that made her one of my favorite characters of the series, and uh, and and Asajj sort of went from being uh, a dark side bad guy through and through 
to somewhere in the middle, a little bit, a little bit, let's say, right of center, uh, uh, skewing a little bit more towards the dark side. And uh, that's because she's questioning some of the stuff that's going on in the war, some of the some of the sort of the Sith have all these machinations and the Jedi have all of this this power that they're fighting to maintain and neither one of them is right uh and i think that that's the most interesting part of the story is that neither side is correct in this the jedi council are just as flawed in their motivations as uh sidious is evil uh in my opinion which is why they that's their downfall that's why the jedi order falls it's because they're far too arrogant, they're far too uh, powerful without any sort of, um, I, I, I don't want to say responsibility, but but it's something along those lines where it's like they're kind of unchecked and the moment when Yoda decides that what they're going to do is they're going to essentially take over the Republic in order to transition it back into peace, that's that's when everything that that Sidious has said comes true. That's why that's one of the reasons why Anakin turns is because Sidious tells him the Jedi are planning to overthrow the Republic. They're going to take over. They're going to seize power and take it away from the Republic. Take it away from the the Supreme Chancellor. And they do. He's like Palpatine that's Palpatine's such a great villain because that's that Sith thing of every lie has this kernel of truth inside it, and that's what makes it insidious, right? Like, that's what makes it just sort of burrow into your head, get exactly. under your skin, and make you do something that you'll regret. Uh, and that's why he's such a great villain. And uh, and just, you know, I mean, he's the Emperor. He was already a great villain before <laughs> we got that plot twist. But, uh, but, man, George Lucas knows what he's doing. He knows how to tell a good story. And... Uh, Asajj sort of wakes up to this. When Dooku tries to kill her, she's, I think it opens her eyes. When she goes back to the Night Sisters and she starts to look at all this stuff. And then, like, she's there and Mother Talzin also manipulates her and Savage in order to get some sort of vengeance. Um, and that goes awry. I think Asajj looks at it and goes, revenge is, like, it... it 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 destroys everything that it touches, including the person who's trying to get revenge. And I think that she realizes that, and that's why in Bounty we see her act in this completely other way, where she's kind of... Like, she ends up saving the princess. She does it for the credits, right, so that she can start her new life, but she still does it, whereas Asajj from seasons one, two, and three would have just killed everybody and taken the money right (laughs) right she wouldn't have there wouldn't have been some altruistic thing and then to team up with obi-wan in a moment of um i mean she wants to to put an end to to savage but i don't think it's out of revenge i think it's out of responsibility she created that monster and uh and as long as he's out there everything that he does is on her. So that fresh start that she wanted, that she talks about in Bounty, she can't have because there's this this 
this thing out there just massacring entire groups of people. So she's got to tie up that loose end before she can start her new life. Um, exactly. So we got that last season. And then we've had Ahsoka at the other end of things starting to see maybe the Republic's not everything we're told it is, right? And like the genius of it is that Sidious is controlling both sides. He's controlling the Separatists and the Sith as well as the Jedi and the Republic. So for her to see this other side and to see like, we should be helping Onderon. We shouldn't be abandoning Onderon. And so she stays and she helps Onderon. She, when she helps uh, um, uh, Lux in in season four in in a friend in need, that's like again she's looking at it and going, you know, this is this is what a Jedi is. This is what a Jedi does. A Jedi helps those in need. A Jedi doesn't follow the battle strategies of the Republic in order to protect their, you know, galactic interests, right? Which is what is happening in the war, is that the Jedi are being manipulated to protect the Republic. Um, and, and you know, it's also, like, they also have very uh, uh, altruistic and idealistic motivations to do that because the Republic is who they serve. But they they sort of lose sight of the fact that they serve the Republic and uh, in order to maintain peace and justice, and instead they become generals and fight a war for them, um, which ju- which does the opposite. I mean, there's no peace or justice in war. It's, it's completely the opposite. So Ahsoka is seeing that and seeing the Republic sort of fall apart into this other thing and 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 i don't think she quite understands how far it's gonna go um i don't think anybody does except for the emperor right but i think she's gonna start to see more and i think she's gonna start to see the inaction of the jedi and their inability to to do what's right because of their having to protect their interests and that sort of thing having to hold on to power having to 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 do all of the stuff that they have to do to maintain the Jedi order uh in sort of I mean it's very similar to to sort of the uh the Catholic Church and the Pope and they do a lot of stuff to maintain their place in the world and 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 the lifestyle in which they're accustomed you know what I mean like to have this temple on Coruscant that's not really a temple it's more of a fortress and a castle than anything um because there's nothing it's it's totally ostentatious and over the top with these huge columns and pillars and statues everywhere there's nothing humbling about it um so i don't know like like i think we're gonna see we're gonna see ahsoka coming a little bit more towards the middle and we know from the trailer for season five that we're gonna see a confrontation between those two characters so I think that confrontation is going to end in a little bit more of a truce than a defeat one way or the other. Because uh, if you remember, the two of them fought each other way back in season one. Yeah. I. Uh, and uh, and there was a like there. It, I think we're going to see a very different scenario play out when they fight each other at the end of season five, and I think it's going to set up some very big stuff for season six. 
I I agree. Um, I I never thought that Ahsoka was going to turn to the dark side or die. Um, so, and this actually, I think probably because you mentioned it, was on my short list of theories as to what um, would happen to Ahsoka. Um, however, it was third of my three theories. Um, so, but I like the way that it looks like they're going to at least toy with this idea um, for a little bit. And, you know, send Ahsoka and Asajj to team up. Um, probably Ahsoka will end up coming back into the Order by the end of it, but we don't know that for sure. Um, but it's a neat idea to start playing around with. Um, and a neat way to, to see how it's going to affect Ahsoka in the long run. So I'm really excited about it. I really uh, am looking forward to it. And I honestly, I can't wait to see the rest of the episodes of the season just because it's going to be a, a whole roller coaster ride of awesome. So <laughs> hopefully. So uh, absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm super excited. Yeah, well, with that, let's uh, let's let's here's the description for the next episode for for this week's episode. Uh, Eminence, Savage, and Maul form an alliance with the Death Watch to take down Obi Wan Kenobi. That's the whole description. It's one sentence. I'm gonna read that again. <laughs> Savage and Maul form an alliance with Death Watch to take down Obi Wan Kenobi. I don't think a more perfect sentence has ever been spoken in the history of Star Wars. I mean, <laughs> Savage Opress and Darth Maul, two of the coolest characters in the prequel era, are going to join up with a bunch of Boba Fett oh, What? in order to fight Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Just Obi-Wan. Who is going to... Who, yeah, just Obi-Wan. That's it. Like, <laughs> it's perfect. It's, 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 it's sheer perfection. It, it's, I mean, like, just, oh, uh, I am so excited. So excited. Words cannot contain it. <laughs> well, let's listen to the, uh, let's listen to the audio from the, for the preview. Should we rub them out? No. I want to hear their story. If they're an enemy of the Jedi, then they're a friend of mine. Load them up. I can't wait. Uh, I'm so excited. Oh, man. It's just... Uh words fail me at this point um because yeah. this is what we've all been waiting for since this beginning of the season this is this was one on a, before the beginning of the yeah season. this is one of the clips before we got the before the season, the season started so yeah. i'm oh yeah. dear lord i cannot wait oh um pardon me i'm having a geek gasm over here uh <laughs> it's just awesome i can't i can't wait this is like i i don't have words um Mike, hopefully you have some. Yeah, this is the, I think this is one of those things where it's like everything we've been waiting for since the Clone Wars started, and we've seen clips from this episode, uh, well, from these these next few episodes, uh, and and I mean, man, I remember where I was when 
I saw that clip for the first time of Obi-Wan Kenobi in Mandalorian armor flying around and then he pulls out his lightsaber and like I'm sorry but the drawings that I that I did as a as a 10-year-old of Mandalorians with lightsabers and I mean yeah we got we've we've had uh, um um Pre Vizsla with with the dark saber uh previously but I uh, but this is a this is a Jedi in Mandalorian armor and and I don't know I don't know that there's anything better in life. And not just any Jedi, Mike. It's your favorite Jedi, Obi-Wan it's Kenobi. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, it's the greatest Jedi of all time, right? <laughs> uh, the most powerful Jedi that's ever lived. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, yeah. And, yes. Oh, and uh, you know what this it, means? It, this means this arc should be the arc that we also get the Sidious Mall Savage showdown. So. Yes. That is yes. something else I can't I can't wait for. Oh my! And Satine is gonna die. Oh, uh, so there's I, that too. I hope she doesn't, but all signs point to that. She's happening. gonna die. She's gonna die. Don't tell me that. She's she's going to die. I'm preparing everybody for it right now. I don't have any information, any more information than anybody else. But Dave Filoni did say in the last behind the scenes thing that you know, like now that we're done with the droids, we're gonna get on to. Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and Darth Maul and all that and and you know uh, R2 comes away from the, the explosion and survives so enjoy it while it lasts because there's going to be a lot of dead people by the end of the season at the hands of Darth Maul oh, so man. I, my prediction right now Darth Maul will kill Satine Sidious will kill Savage Opress. Darth Maul will escape only to be killed by Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because Obi-Wan will kill Maul for killing Satine. Who's going to kill Pre Vizsla? Darth Maul will kill Pre Vizsla. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I. Because I, I can't see yeah. Pre Vizsla surviving this either. No, he won't. Although, you know, Bo-Katan might kill Pre Vizsla. That's true. So, That's true. So there, or or Savage. Um, you know, we could get yeah. Savage kill yeah. Pre Vizsla. Sidious kills Savage. Uh, yes. Yeah. Maul kills Satine, and Obi-Wan kills Maul. That. Yeah. A lot better. I don't know. It's just. Uh, uh, it's it's going to be a whole pile of dead bodies, and we're going to have to sift through it by the yeah. end of the season. And Anakin's gonna kill Rush Clovis in the next. <laughs> and Embo is gonna kill a bunch of guards, I think, or clone troopers. Uh, yeah, with, no. with, with his that, with oh, his dog, man. with his wolf dog. The rest of the season is nothing but awesome. Let's just take a yes. moment and acknowledge that because Embo is coming back, Ahsoka and Asajj Ventress. I. Uh, being chased through Coruscant, through the, through sort of the Coruscant underworld, there's some some awesome visuals there that we've seen. I uh, this whole Mandalorian thing. I mean, oh my goodness, this is the best possible time to be a Clone Wars. And we're going to go back to Mustafar to meet up with the Black Sun and the Fali. Yes, um, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yes, we saw that clip at Star Wars Celebration. So. Uh, yeah, the the Faleen and Black Sun are going to be in this arc. I mean... Could things get any better? Mind. Could things get any better? 
I don't think they could. Kit Fist, unless let me put Skywalker Kit Fisto shows in. up with yeah, Kit Fisto could show up and Luke Skywalker with a green lightsaber. <laughs> yes, right? like yes. like Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker comes through like a time warp and <laughs> fights alongside Obi Wan Kenobi. I I mean that's the only thing that could you know re, the the only place I have to go from here is ridiculous. Like is the most absurd things, like fan fiction type stuff. Yeah. Or, or you could get you could get Hondo sweeping in to save the day at the very end. Um, that could be. Yeah. You know, yeah. Hondo, Hondo kills Darth Maul. Did, <laughs> yeah. Hondo. Hondo actually finds out who that 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 Palpatine is Darth Sidious, but then Darth Sidious kills Hondo. No, don't say that because I want to see a <laughs> spinoff series starring Hondo Onaka. <laughs> okay. I want to see Hondo Onaka in Episode 7. That's what I want That to see. would be awesome. I want to see Cad Bane in Episode 7. If Cad Bane shows up in these last, like, ten episodes of the season, or, or however many we have left, I... Let's see, what is... Uh, this is the 13th... Uh, this, the Point of No Return was the 13th, so there's about nine episodes left <laughs> in the season. Oh, um, man. Yeah, if, so if, we've if got... Cad Bane shows up, because I miss Cad Bane... Season six, I want Cad Bane. Yeah. It's got to come back. But. Well, we're supposed to get Boba Fett back in season six, so maybe we'll see Boba yes. and Cad Bane together, maybe, perhaps? With Bosk and Aura Singh. And Aura Singh, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. goodness. There's only awesomeness that I can foresee coming um, in the yes. near future. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. wow. Maybe we should end this before we just totally disintegrate we've just been, blubbering we've tools. just been rambling yeah we've just been rambling for like the last 20 minutes <laughs> i but i thank you guys for listening uh don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com you can follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash clone wars podcast on twitter at twitter.com slash clone wars and of course you can always send all your comments feedback and questions to mail at clone wars podcast.com before we wrap up Jason, do you want to uh, hit us with all of your plugs and links and what whatnots? Yes. All right. Um, as uh, you, I told you guys earlier, I am from the Wampas Lair podcast. So our main base of operations, our Echo Base, as we like to call it, uh, is Facebook.com/slash Wampas Lair Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Wampas Lair, and then you can also email us at Wampas Lair Podcast at gmail.com. You can find all of us. Uh, you can find. Wampus Lair, Star Wars Beyond the Films, and Star Wars Report, dot, uh, all on StarWarsReport.com. So, there we go. Awesome. And before I go, I just want to let everybody know uh, that I've got another podcast out called uh, Quiver, which is uh, the Green Arrow podcast that I'm doing with my friend Amanda. Um, that's all about Arrow, the CW show. Because um, I don't plug it often enough on this, because there's so many people listening to Frontlines, so you guys should, if you are watching Arrow, you should check that out. And if you like video games, I I have an art show called Eight Bits of Destiny that we've actually started a podcast for. That my friend Victor uh, heads that up. I've been on a couple episodes. Uh, well, I've been on one episode, and I will be on an upcoming episode. There's only three out so far, so uh, you should you should check out both of those. You can find them on iTunes, uh, Quiver the Green Arrow Podcast, and 8-Bits of Destiny. Um, you can find those, respectively, at quiverpodcast.com and 8bitsofdestiny.com. So go over to those sites, give them some love, and, uh, and, and, and check that stuff out, because uh, it's all... 
it's all podcasty goodness. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, check out the Wampus Layer. I highly recommend it. The Star Wars report uh, and uh, and and follow everybody on Facebook and Twitter and all of those things because we love talking to you guys. There are awesome conversations going on at this at the Clone Wars uh, Frontlines Facebook page. Uh, right now, which you guys should all be a part of. Oh yeah. So if you're not already doing that, you should do that. Um, Definitely. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will catch you next week on Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Bye. Well, another close to another wonderful show. Obi Wan Kenobi here, saying thank you for listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Brought to you, of course, by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always.